Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. We're jumping into hashtag wisdom, and we're spending this summer talking about uh, the book of Proverbs and talking about different things that come up in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is just a super practical book, and it's just a place where you can go and get not just great advice, but great truthful advice for living. And so every night this summer, we're asking ourselves the question, how can I make not just a good choice, not the better choice, but the best choice of all? And the ability to make the best choice every time is wisdom, taking the knowledge that you have and be able to do the right thing with it. And so tonight we jump into uh, this topic. Raise your hand if you love work. Love it. Toil and sweat, pain and agony, concentration and focus. Raise your hand if you love work, right? Man, work has become literally a four-letter word in the English language. And we talk about work in such negative ways. Uh, But work is a drastically important word in our lives. And we're just going to look at this idea of work, and it comes up over and over and over again in the book of Proverbs. Now remember, Proverbs is written by the wisest man who ever was and who ever will be. He was given that wisdom directly from God. God says, if you need wisdom, ask for me and I'll give it to you. Then that wise man wrote the book of Proverbs for his son. Father to son. Passing on wisdom and advice and counsel. And these are true statements. These are true isms. These are principles. These are rules of thumb to guide you through life. And like any good father, this father is going to be talking to his son about work. Passing down a good work ethic. Passing on the ability to uh, gather your stamina and your strength and use your energy and your, your muscle and your gifts and talents to further yourself, to provide for your family. And how many dad who's especially got a teenager who likes to sleep in until 11, 12, 1, 2 in the afternoon doesn't get the opportunity to sit down and have a discussion. Son, we're going to talk about work. We're going to talk about applying yourself. We're going to talk about the rest of your lives. Because every father knows work matters. Work matters. As a matter of fact, In the book of Genesis, before sin, God said that Adam and Eve were created for, you ready for this? Work. See, a lot of you thought we have to work because of sin. And work is a curse that we all have to get through. No. Work is a gift that God has given. Work got harder after sin. Work got more Uh, more along the terms of labor than work. But what we're going to look at in Proverbs is this question briefly tonight, this, this statement, how I work matters. How I work matters. 
Proverbs isn't the only book of the Bible where God decides to tell us about work. I'm going to very quickly read for you many passages of Scripture. If you're a note taker and you're going to try to grab all these references, God bless you. Here we go. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. Matthew 28, go and make, seem like two working terms, disciples, baptizing and teaching them to do everything, to do everything I have commanded you. Matthew 5.15 and 16, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good work. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good. James 2.22. Faith without works is dead. I will show you my faith by my works. You see that faith, that faith was active with his works and faith was completed by his works. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good, what's the word? Work. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry which is the building up of the body of Christ. Tonight we're going to talk about work in two categories. Category number one is the thing that we all think about when we hear the word work. My job, my vocation, the things that I have to do, the things that I get paid for, the hobbies that I have, the way that I apply myself in kind of the everyday doldrum of life. But tonight I want to submit to you that there's a more important category to consider in this practical area of work. And it's the work that you do for the kingdom of God. When Jesus gave himself for you, the old passed away and all things became new. And you became a new creature with a new mission and a new purpose and a new job. And God has asked you to work at it. How I work matters. That's why the Bible talks about work so much. That's why work is not a curse, but a blessing. So tonight we're going to really focus in on just one, one main part of Proverbs. So we're not going to do a whole bunch of Proverbs tonight. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. And in Proverbs chapter 6, starting in verse 6, and we're going to refer to this passage all night, so feel free to go there. It brings up this wonderful statement. It says, go to the ant, O sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. Go to the ant, O sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. O the mighty ant. The ant that is able to lift, I don't remember in elementary school, how many times its body weight. And whenever you're in elementary school, you see the ant lifting up like a bus or something like that. The ant is the, this insect that you can't get away from that's a part of all of our lives. Everybody who's ever read the Bible and heard the word ant knew exactly what was being talked about. 
And God said, I have created a creature that you human need to study, that you need to consider, that you need to think about, because it's going to help you with your wisdom, particularly in the area of work. So tonight we are thinking about ants. Isn't that exciting? What can we learn from ants that cause us to become wise in the area of work. Now, this isn't a mystery. This isn't something that we just have to kind of go and figure out. We don't have to dig up the ants and try to watch them a little bit. Proverbs lays it out for us, the things about the ants that it wants us to consider. And I'm going to tell you tonight, there's three things we need to consider and learn from, from ants. But first, let's read this entire passage. And maybe you can see them before we point them out. Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she, the ant, prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Let me just encourage you tonight that if you are not used to reading and studying the Bible for yourself, you can kind of take the format of what we do and you can repeat this in your own reading time. We're simply going to look at these words, we're going to think about what they mean, and we're going to apply them to our lives. It's a very simple three-step process. And we are taking exactly what the Word of God says and we're sticking it into our lives today. And so I want to walk through this passage with you and point out three things that it tells us to consider. When, it, when the Bible tells us to consider the ant, the first thing that it asks us to do is think about this, this fact about work. A wise person works well unsupervised. A wise person works well unsupervised. When the cat is away, the mouse will play. When the boss is away, the employees will play. Amen? Think about this kind of in every area of life. Boss, employee. What happens at, at practice when the coach is not there? When the teacher isn't in the classroom? When mom and dad are away for the night? Whenever the boss or the supervisor or the manager steps away, the natural tendency of the workers under that supervisor's supervision is not to work harder, but to work less. Nobody's looking over my shoulder. I don't have a big brother. But this is the first thing that's pointed out about the ant. The ant, without having a chief, officer, or ruler, and we could dive into each of these words, and you might be going, yes, but the ants have queens. The queen is not supervising the workers. The queen is making babies. All right, the queen is just distracted. These ants are doing things for themselves. There is nobody coordinating their steps. There's nobody mapping out a strategic plan. There's nobody casting vision. There's nobody talking about how much they're going to get paid and when payday is going to come. There's nobody that's going to grade them. The ants are simply working unsupervised. Yet they work hard and they work diligently, completely unsupervised. Is that you? Are you somebody in your areas of work that 
does what needs to be done simply because it needs to be done? Or are you completely motivated by the supervision of others? I am on time for work because, A, I don't want to get fired. You need to be supervised. Or B, there's work that I need to do. I, I work harder. I work more diligently when the boss is around versus when the boss is on vacation. We have schoolwork, homework, yard work, housework, and work work. How does it go for you? I think the best example of workers that do well unsupervised are moms. Amen? Moms got to get the job done. And there's nobody telling them what they need to do and how they need to do it. They just know that the job needs to get done. That that life needs to be protected. That it needs to be nurtured and brought up. That there's no waking up or, going or sleeping in. There's no sick days when you're a mom. You just get the job done and you work hard unsupervised. Because what you are working for, the life of that precious child that you care about, means so much to you that you don't need someone telling you what to do and when to do it. You just do it. Wise people work well unsupervised. When you think about that in human terms, you can understand that that's true. And if you do this in your place of employment, you will be blessed. You will have integrity. You will be promoted by simply working hard unsupervised. But I want you to think about a more important category tonight, and that is our work for the kingdom. When you do the work of the ministry that God has called you to do as a Christian, God has asked you to work at loving him with all of your heart, soul, and mind. God has asked you to work at loving your neighbor as yourself. God has asked you to work at making disciples. God has asked you to work at building the church. All of those statements, all of those commands were in the verses that I just read to you. And God has asked you to do all of those things unsupervised. You're not getting graded. You're not getting more or less money. You're not getting a strategic plan or a vision cast. God has said, work, work, and work to build the kingdom. And I'm going to let you do the best you can by yourself. You know, the pastor's role is not to supervise your work for the kingdom. The pastor's role is not to check in on you and to keep you accountable, to make sure that you're motivated. Imagine if you always needed the pastor to remind you to do the things that you needed to do to grow spiritually. If the pastor always had to come in and say, hey, did you pray today? If the pastor always had to come over to your house and say, when's the last time you read the Bible? If the pastor always had to show up and say, um, I've been tracking your attendance at church and we've been on like a 25% attendance rate the last three months. God has said, hey, I want you to love me with all your heart, soul, and mind. And if you are someone who's wise, you will do that unsupervised, self-motivated, running towards the Lord. And yes, it is work. Your spiritual growth does not happen accidentally. It is something that you have to work for. And if you're here saying, you know what, I'm not very good at the prayer thing. You got to work to make it better. I'm not very good at the reading the Bible thing. You've got to work to make it better. I'm not very good at the church thing. You've got to work to make it better because it happens on purpose. 
And tonight, when you consider the ant, think about your own personal spiritual growth. And are you somebody who works at it intentionally, unsupervised? Or do you always need someone to come in and remind you and hold you accountable and to keep you going? Listen, those reminders are good and accountability is great. But we get there when we do it unsupervised. The pastor shouldn't be the one reminding you that there are lost people out there who need to be prayed for. That there are neighbors and family members that you touch lives with every day that need to be invested in. Shouldn't have to call you and say, hey, have you invited people to a relationship with Jesus Christ? The true work of making disciples and building the church means that we are are actively pursuing people coming to Christ. Pray, invest, invite. That we are working at it. Because listen to this statement. Evangelism doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't just appear. It doesn't just fall at your footsteps. It happens through work. Daily praying for people that don't know Jesus Christ by name. That's work. That's discipline. That's effort. Weekly investing in their lives and giving of your time, your energy, and your resources so that you can bless the people around you in the name of Jesus. That's work. That's effort. That's nights that you would have have off that aren't off anymore. That's relationships that take time. That's work. And inviting them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's conversation. That's effort. That's considering other people before you consider yourself. That's work. That's where disciples are made. And then if you, by God's grace, have the opportunity to lead someone in a relationship with Jesus Christ, the work doesn't end at their salvation. It really is just beginning because now you get to teach them to do everything God has commanded. And you get to walk with them as they grow in disciples. And again, moms, especially Christian moms that have seen their kids come to Christ, you guys are good at this. Discipling your own children, helping them learn how to pray, helping them to know how to read the Bible, helping them to fall in love with God and to be able to do their own work unsupervised. That's the, that's the great wisdom that we learn from the ant. And it shouldn't take a pastor checking in on you to say, hey, what are you doing to build the church? Because the church is not built by accident. It's built on purpose. So are we working well, unsupervised? I want to encourage you with this announcement that Corey gave you at the beginning of the service. This is a serve day. We could have called it work day, but again, no one likes the word work. And we are all serving somebody, whether we're serving ourselves, whether we're serving our employer, or whether we're serving God. And again, this is something that should be celebrated. But we, during a vacation weekend, are going to intentionally set aside time to work. And we're not going to work for our benefit. We're going to work for the benefit of our neighbors. And this is something that's going to be a regular practice at Branch Life Church, working for other people, connected to Christ so that we can reach our world, loving our neighbors as ourselves, and taking this seriously. And I want to ask you tonight to consider making a commitment to this simple activity of work. Making a commitment tonight to your own personal spiritual growth, but also making a commitment to reaching others and building the church. And what God can do in these two, three, or four hours that you set aside to work and show the love of Jesus in these moments could be incredible, but you have to be there. You have to be able to participate in it. And this is September 1st. 
We have an incredible opportunity then coming up September 8th. On September 8th, we are having a fall kickoff. It's, it's kind of like a relaunch. It's, a, it's exactly what we did in April, and we're just going to do it again in September. And we're doing all kinds of stuff behind the scenes to get the word out about September 8th. We're going to send a mailer to 10,000 homes. We're, we are actively engaging in the community to let people know what's happening. We're going to do a social media campaign. And those things are great, but you know what's going to be even better? Our community connections. Us serving and loving people in the name of Jesus. And on this particular serve day or on any day that your group serves, you'll get to talk to people and you'll get to let them know why you're doing what you're doing. And you're a part of a church that cares about their neighbors and they're invited to be a part of this church too. And if we are involved in five, six, or seven community projects on this day, that means that 70 or 100 or 150 of us out there are all rubbing shoulders with 70 Uh, 100 or 150 other people and we're just telling them we love them and we're inviting them to our fall kickoff. This is us doing it together. But can you do this unsupervised on your own? Can you be someone who's actively involved in reaching out to other people for the hope of building the kingdom and building the church? I want to ask you right now to commit to another thought. September 8th, roughly a Five weeks away, fall kickoff. You have in your hands, because they were on your seat, one of these invitations. Can this serve as a reminder to you to say, I'm going to work at inviting as many people as possible to come on September 8th? And here's the number I want you to to commit to. I'm going to invite 10 people. I'm going to invite 10 people to come to the fall kickoff on September 8th. And I'm going to work at that. I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to plan that. I'm going to go after that because it's important, because it's kingdom building, because it's putting God first in all of my relationships. Can you invite people before September 8th? Absolutely. Are you inviting them just so they can come to church and we can get more numbers? Absolutely not. We are inviting people because we love Jesus, we love our church, and we love for them to love him too. So can we be active in building? even when the pastor doesn't ask you to? Can we be active in inviting, even when no one's going to check up on you to do it? That's what we learned from the ant. That's pretty incredible. That's just one. All right? Are you ready for the other two? We'll go a little bit faster. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she, the ant, prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. What are we supposed to learn as wise people? We're supposed to work ahead. We're supposed to Work ahead. You know, the ant, when it's gathering its food in the summer and in the harvest or at your favorite picnic site, is simply doing what needs to be done to stay alive. Because after the summer comes the winter. And if the ant would not gather its food in the summer and the harvest, which is just a few short periods, a few short months, it would not have what it needs to survive for the rest of the time. But there's no calendar, there's no alarm that's being set, there's nobody that's saying to the ant, get this now so that you can live later. They just simply work ahead. They take advantage of the opportunities that are before them and they plan for the future. If you're in your business or your home, if you're planning uh, your, your workout plan for your own physical health, 
planning ahead for the relationships that you're building, planning ahead in the area of finances, planning ahead in running a church. About three months ago now, we had the opportunity to launch Branch Life Church. And so there are so many people that come up and they say, hey, how's Branch Life going? I'm like, great, we just launched about three months ago. And that seems to be like a really short period of time. And it is. But really, it started happening two years ago. And there was a period of gathering and planning and structuring that had to take place over the course of two, a year, a year and a half ahead of time so that we could launch three months ago and so that we could move on into the future. That is simply the principle that's being talked about here. Plan ahead. And whether you're working in business or in education or at home or on a relationship, this is a generally wise principle. But don't forget tonight the more important category, working ahead for the kingdom of God. Working ahead for the kingdom of God, doing what needs to be done. The most important work is the spiritual work that God has for you. The most important work is that work which strengthens your connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. Work ahead. If you're here tonight and you're, you're saying to yourself, I would like to have a stronger relationship with Jesus, then you need to work ahead on that. I'd like to know Jesus more. Work on that. I'd like my family to have a better relationship with Jesus. Start working on that now. And start pursuing him. Consider the plan and the preparation that is needed to get that job done. And here's the sad truth about working ahead for the kingdom. Often, the most important work is the work that we think of last. The spiritual work, the kingdom-minded work, the building work, often gets squeezed in at the last minute, if we have time, once we get everything else done. But can I submit to you tonight that you're, you should plan ahead to do your kingdom work? That you should plan ahead to do the things that feed your soul? That you should make those commitments and those plans a priority? That you should make the plans that are necessary in order to see other people connect to Christ? The most important plans in your life? More important than that incredible trip that you're planning? More important than that incredible business plan? More important than that workout routine? That workout plan that you're going to be making and all of those are extremely important. But we often think about those and then squeeze in the, the kingdom building last. And God says, hey, consider the ant. The ant plans ahead for the work that matters most. And God's called us to build his kingdom. So are we growing and planning ahead for our spiritual growth? Are we planning ahead for what it takes to reach our world? And then finally, the last thing that we learn from the ant is to work without excuses. To work without excuses. I can't do that because, no, you're asking the wrong guy. There's just going to be a problem here. We're pretty good at making excuses to get out of work. And here's, here's what the Bible says about excuses. The person that's the best at making excuses for work is titled the sluggard. 
the sluggard. And this isn't a guy that's really good at punching, right? The sluggard is another name for someone who is lazy. Someone who just moves slow on purpose. And in most of the passages where Proverbs or where King Solomon is talking to his son about work, he's often talking in terms of sluggardness. He really goes after the sluggard. Let me give you a couple examples. Proverbs 6, 9. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Proverbs 24. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn, and he will seek at harvest and have nothing. Proverbs 21, 25. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. Proverbs 22, 13. The sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. This is the king of excuses, right? This is it. Listen, church, we need you to go love your neighbors for Jesus. We need you to invite them to Christ. And you just need to go out your front door and talk to your neighbors. Uh, Pastor, I can't because there might be a lion outside and I don't want to get eaten by a lion. It'd be like if God was telling me to go swim across the ocean, and I'd be like, there is sharks in the ocean, Jesus. I cannot go into that ocean because I might get eaten. The sluggard is good at excuses. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30, I passed by the field of a sluggard and by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. Proverbs 26, 14, as the door turns on the hinges, so does a sluggard in his bed. Back and forth, over again. Wake up, nah, turn over and go to sleep. Proverbs 26, 16, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of a sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. The sluggard buries his hands in the dish and will not even bring it to his mouth. Proverbs goes after the sluggard. And you, on one hand, get to be someone, if you're wise, who works hard, or you can be someone who is lazy and has excuses for everything. Again, in the business world, we understand the pros and cons in this, but let's think about the more important work of building the kingdom. Am I actively working because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to build his church? Or am I using other things as an excuse to not do that? Here are the excuses that the sluggard makes. A little sleep. I just need a little more sleep. A little slumber. I got to go take a nap. Right? Like, I know it's the middle of the day. I'm not anti-nap, believe me, but just think of this in excuses terms. I just can't do that because whew, a little folding of the hands to rest. Now, we lose a little bit of something in English in this verse. This is not talking about folding of the hands to rest. I have to fold my hands. But what it's talking about, the Hebrew word here, actually is talking about the pressing of the palms against the body. My hands have folded in. And when someone asks the sluggard who's folding his hands to rest, he goes, I, I can't do that because I need to love myself. 
I need, you ready for it? Me time. I have to relax. So I'm not going to do that work because I'm caring about myself first. That's the depth of this excuse. If you make these excuses, sluggard or son, poverty will come on you like a robber and want like an armed man. You will fail in the area of business. More importantly, you will fail in the area of kingdom building. So work without excuses. The biggest excuse in this category is the excuse of rest. And as I was preparing this message, I thought, you know, we're going to talk a lot about work. We should also talk a lot about rest. So I'm going to get for you all the Proverbs about rest. And out of the hundreds and hundreds of Proverbs, guess how many Proverbs are written on the topic of rest? None. There is not one Proverbs that directly addresses rest. And here's what I understand about that. King Solomon, the dad, thought it was extremely important to talk to his kids about being hard workers. He did not think it was important to talk to them about getting sufficient rest. Our typical problem is not that we overwork. Our typical problem is that we overrest. So let's look at rest for a second. Three things we need to consider about rest this evening, and then we're going to close it up. First thing, God rested. God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. Rest is not bad. There's nothing wrong with rest. As a matter of fact, the right rest is appropriate. Rest for your family. Rest for yourself. Rest for your soul. Rest for your body. It is godly to rest appropriately in our lives. So please don't think that I'm, not t- that I'm speaking against rest tonight. I am not. Rest is found in God. Rest is found in God. If we did a New Testament study on rest, and when we kick off our series on September 8th, we're, gonna, we're calling it Stressed for the Rest. So we're, uh, rest for the stress, sorry. We're going to talk about this topic, and we're going to do it over four weeks. There's a lot that the Bible has to say about what it means to truly rest. And rest is less about putting your feet up in front of a TV screen or putting them in the sand on a beach. And rest is more about finding your satisfaction and your, com- your completeness in God. That's where true rest comes from. And you understand this if you've already gone on your summer vacation of 2019. Because how many of us were more exhausted when we got home from our vacation than when we left? I'm going to submit to you that rest is a lot of work, the way that we look at it. Rest takes a lot of effort and energy. And for order us to get what we as Americans think of as rest, we work really hard at getting it. But thirdly, rest can become a distraction. Rest can be used by God as a weapon against kingdom building. I can't be active and participate in the church because I'm too busy, because I've got to have me time, because we're going on this trip to this place at this time. And I take every weekend four, and we've got the second home here, and it's all because I need rest. Be very, very careful that rest does not become a weapon that Satan uses to get you away from building the kingdom of God. So tonight, as we consider the ant, 
understand this. God created us not to work for rest, but to work and rest in him. Your relationship with God, your relationship with church, your relationship with loving your neighbor as yourself is our true source of rest. It is the cold cup of water that God tells us to drink. And we find our true rest when we draw closer to God and work at being in him. So tonight, where have you been challenged in your area of work? You can take these principles and apply them to everyday life and you're a teenager just slacking off, get to work. And that's a great thing to learn. But what about in our kingdom life? What about in our personal work for the kingdom of God? Are we fully engaged what God has for us? Go to the ant, the sluggard, and consider their ways and be wise. How I work matters. And God is absolutely saying that your work can be your superpower. And tonight I want to submit to you that you could be the next Ant-Man. And I hope nobody has already claimed that superpower. Because I think it's one that every Christian should have. The ability to work well unsupervised, to work ahead, and to work without excuses. On your cards that you have, I want to encourage you to take, uh, let us know which one of those three areas you'd like us to pray for. Are you someone that needs to prayer in the area of kingdom work unsupervised? Personally growing in your relationship with God or reaching other people? Let us know. Are you someone that needs to work ahead and, and needs to think about how you're going to grow in the Lord this next year and how you're going to reach your neighbors? Then let us know and we'll pray for you. Are you someone that needs to just start working without excuses and just do what it is God has called you to do and just move forward in building the kingdom of God? If that's the area that you'd like to work on, let us know and we will pray that for you tonight. And if you're here this evening and you don't know, you don't know if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, we want to invite you into that relationship. It's the greatest place to be. It even makes work fun. So if you have any questions about your personal relationship with God, on our website we have a, a, a page called The Gospel. We want to allow you to go there. You can read through that and see what it means to become a Christian. Or after the service, you can come up and there will be a couple people here that will be ready to pray for you. Anybody that would like to pray with someone tonight, we open that same invitation to you. But let's just take a moment and fill out these cards. And if you have already filled it out during this next song, while we're singing it, the ushers will come down and they'll collect these cards. And if you need more time to work on your card, you can just turn it on your way out and drop it with those same greeters. We want to invite you back next week as we tackle our next topic in Proverbs. Dear God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for these moments that we've been able to have together as we think about who you are and who you've created us to be. God, we pray that these truths from the book of Proverbs would seep into our lives. And God, that we would be, yes, better workers in everyday life, but Lord, we would be incredible workers for the kingdom of God. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. stand with us as we close out our service with one more song.